This is Blurring the Lines with Adam Bell and Peter Nicolaitis, IT entrepreneurs. Adam and Peter take on the topics of technology, business, life, and the pursuit of happiness and blur them together in the 21st century. Episode 6, Zen and the Art of Email Attachments. In this episode, Adam and Peter discuss why users should be skeptical of all email attachments. First step, don't open that file. All right, Peter. Uh, we're going to continue on with step number five in your 10 critical steps to survive a ransomware attack. Restrict attachments. All right. Restricting attachments. Uh, we're specifically talking about email attachments here. And uh, the first rule of thumb when it comes to emails and email attachments right off the bat is if you did not request it and you're not expecting it, don't open it. Uh, the reason I say that is like in the last two months, we've worked with at least three vice president or higher uh, level executives who have said almost verbatim the same thing. I received an attachment from someone I didn't know and I wanted to see what it was. So I clicked on it and opened it. And, uh, you know, the old adage is curiosity killed the cat, and it also killed the vice president's computer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Red flags and alarm bells and warning lights should have been flying and sounding at the from someone I didn't know part. Mm-hmm. Now, the other part is sometimes, though, someone will get an email from somebody they do know, but it's totally out of context. Like, um, you know, one of your employees may send you an invoice for yeah. something, right? Or sometimes you get an email supposedly from FedEx or the IRS or Amazon. And, uh, you know, it says like there was a problem with your order or you're under investigation for tax fraud or something that's, that's nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the trick is with some of these, like with FedEx and Amazon, it's just a numbers game, and these scammers know that you know there's a fairly large portion of the population that does use FedEx and that does use Amazon, and therefore it's quite likely that they may open these attachments. Um, I know myself. Uh, I have received uh, emails saying something about uh, you know a problem with your uh, your hotel reservation just hours after I made a hotel reservation. Mm-hmm. It was strictly a coincidence. It was just an example of the guys getting lucky. And uh, But, you know, I received it and I was like, huh, that's interesting. But before I opened up the attachment that was, att- I said, wait a minute. They're, gonna, they're not going to send me a Microsoft Word document telling me about my, my uh, hotel reservation. That just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And sure enough, it was a scam. It was a virus. Yeah. So I've yep. gotten, the, gotten the same things and... Uh, typically, it's around the 15th and the 1st of the mm-hmm. month. QuickBooks will say, you know, your e-file failed. And here's the, you know, here's the log of why it failed. QuickBooks in quotation marks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got this email from QuickBooks. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so f- for starters, you know, if you didn't request something, if you're, done, you're not expecting something, don't open it. If you get something that is allegedly from QuickBooks or from, say, your payroll processor or something where it's 
within the realm of possibility, but still something that you weren't really expecting, here's a novel idea. Call that person and see if they really sent it to you. Mm-hmm. Now, I say call as opposed to just reply to the email. Pop quiz, Adam. Why would I be telling people to call rather than just respond to the email? Well, because they can uh, they can fake the email to make it look like it's from Bill Gates, but it's not really from Bill Gates. <laughs> That's one reason, because that email may come, you know, instead of like coming from CEO at example.com, it may sort of look like that, and it may be from CEO company name.com at yahoo.com, mm-hmm. for example, which would be a completely legitimate, if not weird sounding email address, but at a quick glance, someone may not catch that. Another reason is it may not just be some simple little relatively innocent computer virus that's uh, attacking you. This could be a social engineering attack. Uh, This could be an example of a targeted attack where it's not just an automated program, you know, trying to spam you with viruses, but there could be an actual human on the other end of this thing deliberately making contact with you, doing what's called a spear phishing attempt, um, where you have been targeted, they've done some reconnaissance, they know who you are, they know someone else in your company, and they think they can get you to do something. And it might be open this attachment. It may be do a wire transfer. Mm-hmm. It may be, you know, um, send me the password because I'm locked out and I'm traveling. It could be all kinds of different things. Yeah. And I, so, yeah. I, I have a, an accountant who they sent, you know, like $40,000 to one of those wire transfer scams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have another uh, a colleague of ours too in the uh, in the Dallas Fort Worth area had the exact same thing happen to uh, one of uh, one of his clients. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I think you were we were on that call. That might have happened while you were in Belize. I think, oh, okay. Actually, but it was our friend Justin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he had he had an exact. He had one of his clients had the exact same thing happen. And we're seeing, you know, this is not a rare occurrence anymore. They're becoming more and more common. So the reason, another reason you wouldn't want to respond to the email right there is they may have hijacked this person's email account, Mm -hmm. right? You know, if they were able to get this person to, you know, if they've somehow compromised that person's computer so it can send out spam, it's quite possible that they can intercept any emails that are coming into it as well. So anything that's remotely shady, try an alternative communications channel. Uh, there was a very good example of this um, back when Mandiant, they're a big uh, big player in the security and incident response te- uh, space these days. Uh, they released a report on what they dubbed APT1 mm-hmm. and essentially pointing the finger squarely at a division of the Chinese People's Liberation Army. And saying, you know, like this division headquartered at this military base is responsible for some, you know, huge number of of attacks on American companies and government systems. And they gave an example of one of the phishing campaigns that these people were conducting. They were attacking, I forget, it was either a a large American corporation or it was a government agency, I don't recall. And uh, they emailed somebody saying, you know, we need you to provide a password or, or something, you know, some sensitive information. The person who respond, who received the email 
replied to that message <laughs> and said, just checking to see, to make sure that this is legit. <laughs> can, you, can you guess what happened? <laughs> yes, this is legit. <laughs> yes! They replied and simply said, it's legit. <laughs> like, okay, great. Well, you know, I'm glad that this person thought enough to check on the legitimacy of the email, but they didn't quite go about that properly. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, you know, this is one, one thing you want to do is don't open attachments, number one, and be a little suspicious. But then number, you know, n- another thing on the, the list, and this is for something, again, for your, your IT staff needs to do. You don't want to be trying to do this yourself. Uh, you may want to restrict ent- attachments altogether or restrict them to a certain subset of your users. Chances are... A lot of your employees, uh, you know, people in your company don't have any need to receive email attachments, period. And it is possible to control it so that certain people can receive attachments and others don't. It's also possible to have your systems configured so that only certain types of attachments are allowed. Now, it was very common a few years ago to say not allow executable program files. So we're not going to allow any incoming EXE files on Windows systems, for example, or other program and applications on, um, you know, on Macintoshes. The problem is, though, is that they would allow document files. Documents like, you know, Microsoft Word documents or Excel spreadsheets or Adobe PDF documents. Well, the catch there is that these documents now can contain the same level of functionality and have executable code embedded in them. Mm-hmm. So all the same things that you used to be able to do only with an executable program, you can now do with a document file. And so it's tricky. You can't just say, well, we block executables, so everything's fine. It's not that simple anymore. So again, you know, it takes, it, it pays off. It takes a little effort, but you've got to pay a little attention and do a little bit of a risk and a needs analysis and see how much, you know, how much, how many of our people really need to be receiving attachments and how many of those uh, really need to be able to receive any attachment whatsoever? You know, if it's an HR uh, type of person, it may be reasonable for them to require attachments. But maybe they, you only want to allow Microsoft Word documents and Adobe PDF files and not, say, executables or Microsoft Publisher documents, for example. So again, it takes a little bit of work. It does take some effort, but in the end, your systems will be a lot safer if you ratchet things down and only allow known, legitimate, identified, required data. Mm-hmm. And they could also um, they could also coordinate with somebody that they're supposed to receive attachments. They could use a service like uh, like Dropbox. But you know, it's, I'd call you up and say, "Hey, Peter, I'm getting ready to send you." Uh, the spreadsheet that we've been talking about, and I'm mm. going to email you the link. That's a very safe way to receive files, or you know, yeah, they... it's a, it's a lot better. It's it's and it's expected, especially too. So mm-hmm. because again, somebody might just send an email with a link to a Dropbox location, which just says, "Here, download this file." Yeah, don't do that. 
no, don't do that. <laughs> if it's not expected and it wasn't discussed, you know, don't do that. That's that's bad. Yeah, you might want to uh, add that add there. Don't open attachments or click links. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, and that's the thing is links and attachments are pretty much in the same boat these days. Um, I remember someone who was working for me for a while. We were sending out our newsletters. And um, for the longest time, I was insisting that we sent out our newsletter in just plain text format, just plain black letters on white background, no pictures, no links, no animations, no graphics, no nothing. Mm -hmm. And she said, well... Um, if we can't send, you know, that, uh, you know, can we, can we just send a PDF, you know, an attachment that has all that fancy stuff? And I said, no, because that's got all the same potential. You know, we're teaching people to just, as soon as you get an attachment, just click on it. And I, you know, I tried, it's a losing battle, but I tried. Mm -hmm. And then, so her response was like, well, what if we just send a link where people can click on it to download it? And I said, <laughs> That's just as bad. <laughs> You're still, you know, referring people off to something else that you don't really know what it is. So it's dangerous. And, um, you know, it is really a problem because we've been conditioned to just, you know, you get a link, you click it, you get an attachment, you open it. It's great. Mm -hmm. But, you know, these days that is just a recipe for disaster. So. Yeah. And, uh, and again, in closing on this, you want to start with an a policy, some sort of, of written policy that you can then give to your IT vendor, you know, your IT provider, and say, here, this is our company policy on email attachments. Please enforce this. You don't want to tell your IT guy just, hey, go block attachments. Keep us safe. Yeah. Um, that's going to have unpredictable results. Either it's going to block too much, it's going to block too little, and uh, the end result is it makes your staff maybe not able to do their job and then they're going to start taking steps to circumvent the protections and they'll also probably start to hate your IT guys cuz they're blocking <laughs> your stuff for no reason you know those damned IT guys blocking me out of my attachments so um you know that's where someone as a business owner really has to have uh you know some initiative and say look this is policy this is what we're doing and our IT folks are enforcing this policy it's going to save them money too it will they're not going to have the downtime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're avoiding downtime. You know, you, again, you want to make sure that your 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 policy is flexible enough to allow the business need. But what we see time and time again is most most business owners don't give any thought to it at all. They just say, no, it's just easier just to let in the attachments. Mm -hmm. That's true, but it's not easier to recover from having all of your you know your entire network locked down by some ransomware. Yeah, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> And I think that about wraps it up. I think so. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. To contact either us or our guests, visit BlurringTheLinesPodcast.com. If you like what you're hearing, do us a solid and subscribe to our podcast. And leave us a five-star review in iTunes, Google Play Store, or wherever you found us. <laughs>